0: Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. Let's join Pastor Paul Carlson for today's message. So we've been in this series, we call it Red Letter. And why do you call it Red Letter? It's because what we're talking about are words that Jesus said, things that Jesus said, stories about Jesus. And in many Bibles you pick up nowadays, that's how they're made. They, they have all the things of Jesus in red. So we're, we're calling it Red Letter. And we've talked about, you know, what Jesus said about the Father, what Jesus said about himself, what Jesus said about the devil. We've said other things too. But today we're going to talk about what Jesus says about you. All right, that was big. Well, I think it went over like a lead balloon. <laughs> we're going to talk about what Jesus says about you. And I'm telling you, you know, people might have said bad things about you before. Don't raise your hand. Somebody, though, in life, maybe you were back in grade school and people made fun of you, said words or something like that. Maybe you were perusing Facebook and somebody said something bad about you. You know, maybe, you know, just words got out there. And, and sometimes people get affected by words. I mean, they hit everybody. You know, I've said this, words are like arrows. You shoot people with an arrow, even if you say you're sorry and pull the arrow away, it still leaves a wound. And you need God's help. You know, but, but uh, you know, really, when you get down to it, it doesn't matter what everybody says about you. But what does matter is what God says about you. I'm going to take another step. What matters is what God says about you, and what matters is what you say about you. So what we want to do is we want to make it our practice. We want to make it our practice that we begin to say things about us that God says about us. What a deal, huh? How How does that sound? I think that's cool. So, you know, I'm working at this too because sometimes I get tripped up because I've had stupid thoughts. nobody, No, don't raise your hand. Stupid thoughts can come into everybody's head, you know? Negative thoughts. uh, Maybe something, you know, that you heard when you were a kid. Maybe a teacher had it in for you at school and they said something and it tries to come back at you every now and then. But you know what? we got to continually keep looking at what God says about us. In the book of James... It said this. It says that if you really want to have a, 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 you know, a flourishing life, what James said is you need to hear what God says about you. This is my words to what James said. Sorry, James, if I miss it up or anything. But, but James said you got to hear what God says about you and then go act like it's true. That's kind of what he said, and he said, you know, it's kind of like this, that if, if you don't do that, he said, you're like a man who looks at himself in the mirror or a woman who looks at herself in the mirror, and they walk away and they forgot what they looked like. Did you ever read that? It's in the book of James. That's what he says, and that's how life can be because we get distracted. We hear other messages that come at us, and, and if we're not careful, if we don't go back to the mirror this is the mirror. If we don't go back to this, we can forget who we are. We can forget what we look like. You know, we don't know if our hair is parted the right way. Dana, is it? No, oh, no. Dana says, did you know that you were walking around all through the first service and your keys were hanging out of your pocket? I said, no, really? Well, I guess I didn't look in the mirror. I'd have known that. Or, or if I asked Dana, she'd tell me. But, but anyway, sometimes you need a friend to tell you what God says about you. But we're, (laughs) that's what the church is about. Can we be the church here? Can we be people that tell each other what God says about you instead of what everybody else thinks or how it looks? You know what I love about the way Jesus rolls is that he doesn't just look at where you're at now, but he sees the potential that you have and he he addresses you accordingly. Do you know that? Sometimes people get stuck in a rut. They're stuck in this place and they don't feel like they can get out. But I'm telling you, you look at what God says about you. Look what he says about you. It'll take you right out of the rut. Some people walk around with sin consciousness, you know, because they, they've done wrong things. They've made wrong choices. They've got messed up with stuff. You know, sin is a nasty thing. You know, it it, it, it gets a grip on people, and, and and it's 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 like this party that, you know, is a, it's like a pity party. Joyce Meyer says a pity party is this kind of thing that, that it's easy to get to, but it's hard to get out of. Yeah. You know, you can't always find the door to escape. Sin is like that. When people walk around, they have this sin Uh, consciousness in them, and they think, oh, this is how I am. This is how I'm always going to be. I've always been this kind of person. I've always fallen for the same old trap, but Jesus doesn't see you that way. He sees you free, and so you start seeing what Jesus says about you, and you start thinking like Jesus, what he thinks about you, and you start speaking like what Jesus says about you, and I'm telling you, that is your way out. That is your way to victory. It's your way to overcome any kind of obstacle that, you know, you found yourself in in this life. In any trap that the devil set before you, this is a way out. It's a way out. I remember um, John Osteen one time. Do you guys know who John Osteen is? He's Joel Osteen's dad. And, and I used to listen to John. Dana and I used to listen to him every week on, on TV, or watch him on TV and he is a he was a very charismatic preacher and and he had this dry humor that I totally connected with and, and got and, and so you know that's I, I liked him and, and, and uh, anyway he, he said one time I read this in a book that that he had this this he fell into a trap one time and and the trap was depression and when I read that I, I put the book down I thought that can't be because I'd never think of him as being depressed he was he was immune to that kind of stuff you know what I mean? But he says no, it happened. He says, and I was so depressed. This was the thought he was having. He said the thought I was having. It was it was so dark. He said I was sitting. You know, I I believe he said he was at his kitchen table eating breakfast, and this thought was coming upon him. It says he said, "I'll never preach again. I'll never stand before the congregation again and preach." He was so depressed. Now, sometime earlier, he'd had a dream. Can I I tell this story? So he'd had a dream, you know, a couple months earlier. And in the dream, he went into a dark room. And it was so dark, he couldn't see the way out. And in the midst of this darkness, he stood up and said, Jesus! And when he did that, he saw a light. And he walked towards that light, and he walked right out of the room. And so he's sitting at his breakfast table with this thought so dark that he said, I didn't think I'd ever preach again. And this is a guy that's got a church of 17,000 people. few more than we do. (laughs) He says, I don't think I'll ever preach again. And you know what the Lord told him? He says, John, you're in the middle of your dream. So right there, at the breakfast table. Did we establish it was at the breakfast table? In my story, he's at the breakfast table. (laughs) Right there. It doesn't matter where you're at. You know, you might be driving in your car. You know, if you're driving in your car, keep your eyes open on the road and everything. You might be at work. You might be at home wherever you're at. But John was at his breakfast table. And he, he, he said, I'm in the middle. You're in the middle of your dream. He stood up and said, in the name of Jesus, I'm coming out of this place. He caught a glimpse of what God saw. He caught a glimpse that God saw him free and out of that place. And what he did is he adjusted his thinking and he says, I'm going to declare what God said, even when I don't feel like it. And he got up and he got out of that place. And he went on and fulfilled the the mission that God had for him. All right, so we're looking at what Jesus said about you and me. Matthew 5.13. We'll just start here today. Now, in this series of things that Jesus said, I've come to these scriptures before. And I thought, well, should I include these? I mean, these are epic things Jesus said about us. This is my thought process this week. But I, and I thought, I was talking to Pastor Stephen about it too, and I said, but you know, I'd rather err on the side of repeating these great truths than err on the side of omitting them. Because they're so powerful. They're so life-changing. they go into the core of your being and change your whole outlook on yourself and life. Jesus said this in Matthew 5.13. He said this, he said, you're the salt of the earth. That's what he said to you and me. He said, you're the salt of the earth. You guys like salt? I mean, you know, in moderation, right? It's salt. Um, Now, again, you know, I don't find myself often eating out of the salt shaker. I don't sit there and go, pour it on. Yeah, I don't do that. But I notice this. If there's no salt in a particular food dish, and Dana's great at it, man, we need more salt. You know, we'll run and get the salt because salt, what it does is it draws the flavor out of things. You know, it isn't like I need to taste the salt as much as I need to taste the flavor that it brings out in everything that it encounters. This is you. What are you called? What are you, what's your purpose? And I'll tell you one thing you are is your salt and whoever you come in contact with, you draw out the flavor in that person. You draw out who they are, the God stuff that's in them, man. You bring it to life, you know, see people, man, not for where they're at, but, but where they're going. I, when we started this church back in the year 2000, you know, I, we had uh, resigned our position at our former church, and we, we had, like, several months that, you know, we, we, before we even opened the doors of this church, actually about six months. And, and um, I remember having this brainstorm of an idea. I said, you know, i got to get a job. <laughs> you know Why? 'Cause I wanted to eat. You know, that this makes sense. I, I wanted to eat, so I went and got a job. And you know, I looked around and tried to find, you know, something that would fit me. And I I found this this place and, and, and it kind of fit some skills that I had over the years. And and so I, I got this job and, and I was, was in charge of the, the night shift of this job. It had, it had like three shifts that would come through and I had the midnight or the noon to midnight or something like that. It was later. It was 2 to 2 to midnight or something. Anyway, so I was in charge of this group. And man, if, I, if there was another Christian in the place, I didn't know it. You know, it was, it was a motley crew. It was good. They were great people, I believe me. I, I grew to, to love them and, you know, I think we, we had a good relationship as we worked together. But I remember some of the people I worked with, I, I just would come in to work and they all knew that I was there and I was starting a church. You know, I, why Why not be who you are? You know, so I told them that. And, and they didn't know how to call me. It's kind of like Pastor Stephen. What do I call David Holland? Call him Rev Dave? Rev Holland? Yeah. Majesty? I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I always, well, anyway, we'll, we'll call him something like that. <laughs> Love you, David, if you're watching. <laughs> um... So I, I had people that, that I worked with here, they'd, call up, they'd come up and they'd call me Father Paul. <laughs> Father Paul. I just rolled with it. I said, yeah, cool, you know. <laughs> it's all right. And, 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 uh, but, you know, when I would talk to those, some of the people I worked with, you know, I, I knew in my head that they weren't even Christians. I just talked to them like they were the, the uh, strong Christians. I'd I'd share things because, you know, we were going through a time in life where I was driving out to Menominee back then, you know, once a week. What were you doing that for? Well, we we hadn't even started the church yet, but I'd drive out, you know, and sometimes Dana would come too, but we'd come out just to go to Culver's. No, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. We didn't do that, although I did think it was really cool. Uh, But... uh, We'd come out I'd come out and I'd just walk up and down the streets of Menominee. And I'd try not to be a spectacle, but I just was kind of getting the scope, trying to feel what this town was all about. You know, and I'd be praying under my breath. Nobody anybody saw me, they would have said, Oh, who's that guy that walks by every day or every week? Well, that was me. And, you know, I was looking for a place while I was here too to, to, to you know, that we could hold services and, and start a church. There's different ways to start churches. I read a book about how to start churches, and there was all these different ways, you know, and I was hoping it was going to be like have a Bible study and grow from that. just sounded safe, you know. And, 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 but, man, we'd pray about it. And it was like, you know, we'd think about that, and it was like taking a bath with your socks on. just didn't seem right. And we'd just say, well... I guess the way we're supposed to do it is just put an ad in the paper and start having church somewhere, you know, and here we go, you know, and that's what we did. But, but, you know, so as I'm going through this adventure, I'd come into work at night, I'd talk to them like they knew exactly what I was talking about. I'd say, man, yeah, I was praying, you know, and God showed me this, and, man, and we're walking it out. We're walking it out, man. We're going to see this thing happen. And you know what? Man, they respected that. What am I talking about? I'm talking about being salt. I'm talking about bringing out in people the God stuff. You know? And, and uh, you know, we had people get born again while I was at the, that job. I looked at it like a mission field. I looked at it like, this is so rad. This is so good. You know, I'm just, I'm living the Jesus life. Being a light, being salt in these people. I missed it when I left. I like to be around people that don't know God because I can pull out of them, you know? Stuff that, that God has in there, God. God's pointing them, you know, calling him to. Man, I tell you, I love people. They're just raw. I like that they don't talk like I, I can try to, you know, I'm trying not to talk like a Christian all the time. What do you mean? I'm not cussing or swearing. I'm not doing that. But I'm trying not to talk Christianese, you know? You know that language that Christians develop over years that they fall into? Praise the Lord. Glory to God. who? Yeah. Wow, I mean, I never talked like that before I was saved and, you know, or before I was a Christian. And and people don't know how to respond to that. But being real, being yourself. All right, so Jesus said, you're salt. He said, you're salt. You know, you're not trying to be salt. That's where Christians get goofy is when they try to be Christians. Just be you. Be you. Believe in the greater one in you, believe in what God's done in you, and then go be you. You know, when I was working, I, in, you guys all know I used to work for Billy Graham, and that was a tremendous place to work for 10 years. And, and uh, I worked there at different times you know, in my Christian life. When I first got born again, I, I went there, and and I worked for a year and a half, and then I quit and went to Bible school and came back and worked there again. I quit and came back. They kept hiring me. I kept coming back. You know, one stretch, I was there for nine straight years. That was a big time, but in that first stretch that I was there, I was a brand new Christian, and, and they were like a new family to me, all these people, and and, and uh, I remember I, I, I had this leading, this direction that I was going to go to Bible school. And God, you know, step by step showed me which school to go to. And, and, and some people there knew who Kenneth Hagin was, and that was the school I was going to go to. And a lady walked up to me in the hall one day, and she knew what I was going to do. And she says, wow, you're going to go to Rama You're going go to Rhema. You're gonna be another Kenneth Hagen and I looked at her I went back like this I said no I said I'm going to be Paul Carlson I'm not going to be Kenneth Hagin. and you know I love and respect Kenneth Hagen. he's in heaven now but but you know what don't be somebody else be you be you be who Jesus made you be who God made you because that's who we need in the same breath when Jesus is talking here in Matthew 5 he said you're going to be you, you are salt and he said you are light You know, you're a light in this world, and even when the world we're living in is getting darker and darker, that's just an opportunity for you to shine more and more. Shine more and more. That's what God told Dana this summer. He said to her, he said, shine on, you crazy diamond. (laughs) Yep, that's what we say. Shine on. Shine on. I didn't even know God was into prog rock, but I, I knew with that song, with that title of that song. Anyway, but uh, shine on, Psalm eighteen twenty-eight. For you will light my lamp. The Lord, my God, will enlighten my darkness. See, this is what happens when you get born again. You get lit on the inside. You get lit. I'm preaching to you guys. (laughs) You get lit. You're walking around like a candle that hasn't got any flame, but, but God comes and he lights you up on the inside. He doesn't just do it for you. He does it for you, but he does it for you that you can shine, that you can demonstrate what God's done in you. Again, be you, be you. Be you. All right, we're going to come up to some stuff here, John 1:12. John 1:12. I'm not hurrying through these because each one of these things we're talking about are so impactful. Again, it's it's God's vision of who you are. These things are true whether you feel like them or not. This is your ref- sometimes I look in the mirror and I say, are you kidding me? I used to say something different, but now I look at it and I go, you got gray. You got gray. Is that really you? Yeah, I guess it really is me. So in a good way, I see the word and I say, are you kidding me? It's because it's so good. I'm like, wow, really? John 1.12, it says, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name. Many, how many, you know, how many believe in him? You've been given the right to become a child of God. Now, you know, I don't know, you probably all come from really good families, maybe, maybe not, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what earthly family you came from, it doesn't matter where you were born. You know, I know people go off on these, these trips, and these are, these are great. These are cool. Naturally speaking, they're cool, where they try to find their genealogy, like, wow, I've got Scottish in me, you know, and that makes them feel different. I'm a Scot. I'm a Scot. <laughs> but I've done a little research myself, and I found that I've got God in me. Yeah. And I've, I've, had the, I've given, been given the right to be called a child of the Most High God. Wow, that just, that trumps everything, you know? Everything else is secondary. I've been, I've been made a child of God. Romans eight fifteen. the Apostle Paul talks about the same thing here. And he said this, he said, For you didn't receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And then in verse 16, he says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit, that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, then heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, we will also be glorified together with him. The Spirit himself, he bears witness in our heart that we are the children of God. And believers, you know, I tell you this, if you ever just get quiet enough, you'll hear what this verse is saying. Because the Holy Spirit in you is going to speak to you and say, "You are a child of the Most High God that puts gas in your tank. That causes you to stand up like a champion and walk through life. So you've been given the right to be, be called the child of God. John 10:10, 10, 10, if you turn there, we'll look at this. John 10:10 10, 10 is Jesus talking. He says this. He says, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and to destroy. You know, we we mentioned this, I think, last week, talking about what Jesus said about the devil. That's what he comes, to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus said this, too. He said, I've come that you might have life, that you'd have it more abundantly. You and I are people that have God life. We have God. God, life, living in us right now. This stuff is so wild that we have in us. You know, it's like a controlled substance or something, and we're carriers of it. All right. This is stuff the world didn't see. It saw it in the beginning with the first man, Adam. He had this in him. God breathed into him and put life into him. But he lost it, you know. We lost it in Genesis chapter 3 when, when Adam and Eve ate, ate the bites of an apple or whatever kind of fruit it was. Maybe it was a pear. And, and, and uh, they, they, they ate that, and they disobeyed God. And what was, was so terrible about it is, is this, that they lost that life, and instead they took on something called spiritual death. You may not know everything life is, but if you see what spiritual death is, you'll know that whatever that is, you got the opposite of it. And spiritual death is like a like a power that was unleashed on the earth in Genesis chapter three. And it it covered the earth and it affected everything. It affected the the animals, the vegetation, the insects. You know, God didn't create mosquitoes to come and suck blood out of you. Okay? You live in Wisconsin, you need to know that. That's not a design of God. He probably, he made the mosquitoes, but they had a different purpose back then. They got altered in the fall. Can I hear an amen? The whole world was altered when when Adam and Eve fell. And the, the biggest thing was, though, that they lost the life. Not the natural life, but the God life that was in them. But when Jesus came, he came to bring life, To men and women. He came to bring us something that we didn't have. And it was, you know, in the Greek, all these words that I'm going to read you that talk about life, they're called zoe life. Zoe life. And what it means is it just means the God kind of life. The God kind of life. It means who God is, what he's made of, the quality of life that he enjoys. It's the very life that he gave to us. In John 5 24, Jesus said this about the same the same topic. He said, Most assuredly I say to you that he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. We've been taken out of death and brought into life this is what Jesus said about us doesn't matter how you feel today if you're a Christian if you've received Christ I'll tell you you've been taken out of death and brought into life going on in 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 uh, Romans chapter 5 verse 17 again Paul says the same thing he says for if by one man's offense Death reigned through that one. Much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So this life that Jesus said that we would have and partake of and have in us, he says, Paul says this, he says, this stuff is so powerful that it is going to cause you to reign in this life. Not to frump, He didn't say, you're going to frump now that you got this stuff in you. No, he says, you're going to reign in life. Romans 8.2. Same kind of thinking here. Romans 8.2 says, for the law of the spirit of life, same word, zoe life, in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, you don't have to look far as, as a human being... In whatever year we're in to look around and see that there is a sin a law of sin and death in this earth this earth is not the way God intended it to be for us to live it wasn't like he made the earth the way it is now and said all right now I'm gonna raise my family here this earth was radically changed but even though it's radically changed Paul said this, he said, There is a law of the spirit of life that's on the inside of you that will cause you to reign here in this life, and it will cause you to live free from the law of sin and death. Sin and death involves all kinds of junk. I mean, just look at Genesis again, chapter 3, and see what happened with Adam and Eve when, when, uh, when they, they, they sinned, and they took on death instead of life. The first thing that happened is they got afraid. You know, this world is full of fear. You know, they even talk about terror on the news all the time and fear and stuff like that. Tell you what, man, God doesn't want us living that way. He wants us to live a life that's free from fear, free from terror, free from the corruption that's in the world by the life that's in us. I like to explain it like this, that there's laws in this planet. There's laws in in the earth. One of them is the law of gravity. And what the law of gravity does is it keeps us all from floating away, okay? Sometimes, you know, it might be nice to turn it off for a minute, but you never turn it off. It's always on. Every day I get up, I don't even think about it anymore. I don't get up in the morning, you know, my alarm goes off, and I go, well, I wonder if gravity's working today. It works every day whether I think about it or not. It's, it's just a law that's been set in motion. But there's other laws in this earth, and, and I think I have the right name for it here, but it would be the law of thrust. You get into an airplane. And you go whipping down this runway in this tin tube and somehow you get to the end of the runway and you defy the law of gravity and you burst off into the sunset or the sunrise, whatever time of day you're flying at. It doesn't mean that gravity quit working, but it means you're living by a higher law. There's a law of sin and death, but there's a law of life that's on the inside of you and me. Jesus said, Guys, you're free. You're free. Live the free life. One more thing before we 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 turn it over to Pastor Stephen. John 14, 12. Things that Jesus said about you and me. How to look at yourself, how to look at life. What lenses are you looking through? You know it can make a difference which lens you look through. You know? Put on sunglasses, everything looks rosy, right? Or, or gray, depending on your sunglasses. But I'm telling you what, you start looking through the word, and you see your life, and it begins to flourish. In John 14, 12, Jesus said this. He said, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do he'll do also. Greater works than these will he do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. Let me phrase it this way. This is what Jesus said about you and me. He said we weren't just uh, partakers of life, but what he said about us is this, is that we are called to go and demonstrate Jesus' life. He said, the very works that I do shall you do, and greater works besides. Some people get all hung up in what are those greater works that we're called to, and I would tell you this, let's just do the works Jesus did first and let him show us what the greater works are as we go. Take the first step. Take the first step. You know, I can't figure the end, but but if I just start taking the first step, then it gets clearer all the time. You know, do you live like that? That's how I live. I don't know the end from the beginning. But I tell you what, I can see sometimes I just talk to God and he says, well, go do this. And then I do that and I see the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. That's what Jesus said about you and me. We're to live our life on this earth demonstrating Jesus' life. Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. To partner with this ministry or for any additional information, please visit libertychristiancenter.org.